successful media and public affairs consultant, accomplished entrepreneur and national writer and contributor, attorney who served in the Missouri House of Representatives, worked in the White House and CNN, thought leader, entrepreneur, and host who takes the conversation to the next level. Prepare to get rare access to fascinating guests. You're connected. You have the it factor. You've joined Grill Nation. Connect with Jason on Twitter at Jason Grill. Connect with the show on Twitter at Grill Nation Show and online at GrillNationShow.com. Welcome your host of Grill Nation. Always dressed up and ready to go even in a radio studio. Here's Jason Grill. Hello and welcome to the Grill Nation Show here on 980 AM and on iTunes via podcast. I am your host, Jason Grill. Thanks for listening today. I hope you're having a great week. Um, I hope you're staying safe and healthy, and I, uh, I hope you're uh, adjusting to 95 and 100 degree temperatures every single day here in the Kansas City region. It's been it's been kind of brutal, so I hope that your uh, your, your lawns and your uh, your sanity is okay at this point. We're gonna have a great show today. I am very excited to have on Michael Sullivan, who's the managing director of Bercadia. Their website is Bercadia.com. Michael's market knowledge, breadth of experience, and deep industry relationships ensures that he maximizes value for apartment owners by providing a fully integrated platform from acquisition to disposition. Uh, They offer additionally offering debt placement, structure financing, private equity, and a full menu of apartment advisory services. Michael has been involved in more than 100 investment real estate transactions valued at more than $700 million. As a result of this local experience and expertise, Bercadia's unique technology platform, uh, and Bercadia's unique, unique technology platform, Michael and the team have earned a reputation of creating multiple offer situations resulting in premium pricing for their clients. We are going to talk more about that uh, and get into what Bercadia is, but also learn about some really interesting topics and, and, and what's going on in the world right now as far as multifamily apartments, development, uh, financing. How has COVID affected that? What types of uh, what types of deals are out there? What's up, what's going on with PPP trends, KC market? So many different topics on the show today. So I want to welcome in Michael Sullivan. Again, he's the managing director of Bercadia. They're on web, the web at Bercadia.com. Uh, Michael, how are you today? We're great. Thanks for having me. I, I my my first takeaway is that I need to update uh, some of my profile. Uh, we're <laughs> we're drastically behind in our transaction volume there, so we're close to about five billion now. Um, yeah, so and, I, I got off your website today uh, when I was preparing, and uh, that'd be a great update. That's a lot. That, that would be. You know, we like to keep it on on the down low, I guess. So, but at the end of the day, uh, it's been a good run for us over the last five to six years, and transaction volumes way up and you know, it's uh, it's a testament to the market. And, and I think what we've put together as a group that's, you know, we obviously will get into it, but a, a unique market position for a, a brokerage business. Mm-hmm. Well, tell us about yourself first uh, before we get into the business. Uh, looks like you, you grew up in Kansas City and uh, you have uh, worked here for most of your career. Yeah, Kansas City, born and raised, um, grew up over in Fairway and uh, attended Pembroke Hill School throughout. Uh, so started my mom was a teacher over there and then an administrator uh, after that and uh, grew up over there uh, starting about two or three years old and, and graduated from there in 1999 and went on to the University of Kansas. Actually studied uh, human biology with the intent of, of going to med school, uh, was was pursuing that, had my applications in and 
uh, worked pretty closely with a couple of doctors who said, you really don't want to do this. Uh, and, and so, uh, kind of had to call an audible last second there and had some family friends that were in the real estate industry and ended up hooking up with a California based company, uh, you know, out of, that was based out of Palo Alto, uh, in the early two thousands, uh, and, and have been in the business ever since. So. Well, that's an interesting pivot right there. Um, as a, we talk to a lot of business owners on this show, entrepreneurs, uh, movers and shakers, if you will, people that are involved in the community going from medical to real estate. Yeah, it was, uh, certainly again, not intended. Um, but you know, when, when you've kind of, the, the problem with med school is you have to dedicate so much of your education, you know, to that specific Avenue. And, um, at the end of the day, uh, I didn't have any time to take any business classes. Uh, so, so graduated without ever, uh, experiencing the business side of things from an educational standpoint. And then, you know, but needed to find somewhere to, to make a career. And, um, with that pivot, you know, led, led to the real estate stuff. And, you know, as they say, I think it, it's worked out pretty well for us. And, you know, yeah. we've had to overcome some stuff. So it probably took me a little bit longer to, to catch the flow, but, uh, we're here now and, and happy to be here. So. So you, uh, you were at the company, the, the previous company for around 12 years. Um, looks like you've been at your, your current company, Bercadia, for four and a half, or almost five years, actually. Almost five, yeah. Yeah, so you're the managing director of the Kansas City office. What exactly, let's kind of get more in depth on what, what the company does and, and what your role is, and, and, and maybe um, keep it in layman's terms for some of the listeners, if you would. Yeah, sure. So Bercadia uh, is actually, was a joint venture purchased by um, Berkshire Hathaway and Lucadia National uh, investment firm out of New York. And they really bought the old GMAC book of servicing commercial loans uh, during the downturn with the intention really of just sunsetting the portfolio on a fee-based business. Um, And that should have happened about now. And what they found out was, you know, along with this really nice, robust book of commercial mortgages that they were servicing, they got a bunch of mortgage bankers and those mortgage bankers continued to produce uh, and refill that pipe uh, as, as those loans were maturing and, and coming off the books that the mortgage bankers were, you know, very successfully as the market kind of came back in 11, 12, 13, 14, refilling that pipeline with new mortgages that they were that they were originating. And uh, so in 2012, uh, the company itself decided, hey, you know, this might be a viable business for much longer than we thought it was going to be. Um, you know, how can we continue to help drive that pipeline and drive the business and, and continue to reinvent the book that we've got in, in our servicing platform? And so uh, they made the decision from a strategic standpoint to acquire the old Hendrickson Partners, which was a, a brokerage spinoff based out of Phoenix, Arizona, uh, with the intention of, hey, if we have a multifamily brokerage arm, we should be able to continue to get a good position uh, for our mortgage bankers to originate more debt uh, just because we'll be involved in the process kind of holistically from the beginning uh, and should be able to drive that business and, and continue to produce more mortgage mortgages for the company. And so they, they brought Hendrix under uh, the Bercadia brand um, and the company's been really successful as really one of the first companies that's kind of dual tracked both the investment sales avenue uh, along with a mortgage banking platform. Uh, and for us, it's been, you know, we came over, as you mentioned, about five years ago. Uh, and that was really the main draw. We were, we were at a California based company called Marcus and Millichap, which is a, oh, well, they had a, a mortgage banking 
uh, avenue, but it was it was a, a brokerage arm versus a true banking arm. They didn't have the Fannie and Freddie dust licenses uh, required to originate the debt internally. So they're really playing the broker game more. The banking game is really where the business is and has evolved to. And so what we found out in our business was we were really good at the investment sales side of things, but there's kind of this necessary period inside of every transaction where as an investment sales broker, you kind of get put behind the curtain as the financing piece works itself out. And um, we were uh, frustrated with the fact that we, we couldn't help during that process. And so Bercadia came to us with the opportunity to move our entire team business over. Um, and it gave us an opportunity, not only from a revenue standpoint to be involved in that mortgage banking business, but also um, just from a service to our clients, uh, being able to track that deal from soup to nuts, um, make sure that if any issues did come up, we were there to, you know, to aggressively uh, mediate those and, and, and try to remediate them from the process. And, and so, you know, we've been really happy here over the last, uh, last couple of years and, and feel like we've really amped up both our consultative service and, and our ability to help our clients throughout the process. And we'll get more into that on the Grill Nation show right after the break. You're listening to 980 AM. Thanks for joining us. Welcome back to the Grill Nation show here on 980 AM. Or if you're listening on podcast via iTunes, we greatly appreciate it. Or if you've connected via the website, grillnationshow.com, thank you for joining us there. I appreciate you uh, looking at all of our old shows, our guests, and you can always connect with me on social media, on Twitter at Jason Grill and Grill at Grill Nation Show. And then I'm on Facebook and Instagram and LinkedIn. Just search for my name, Jason Grill. We've been having a great show so far. We are talking to Michael Sullivan, who's the managing director of Bercadia. That's B E R. K-A-D-I-A. They're online at Bercadia.com. Bercadia offers a full-service mortgage banking and investment sales platform and the highest-rated servicer in the industry. It's the largest agency lender in the nation and has received, as of 2015, uh, very high rankings from the Freddie Mac Program Plus and Fannie Mae programs, uh, as well as number one for different things they do with FHA and HUD. Michael, we were talking kind of about how you service your clients here in the, the Kansas City market. Tell us a little bit about that. And um, if I'm a, a person wanting to invest or who is trying to get into the multifamily world or who has properties already, uh, how do you help those individuals? Yeah, so we, we take a really unique approach, in our opinion, to the business. Typically, the, the business has been... Uh, a, a investment sales broker who is siloed, uh, for lack of a better term, in one market. So you'll get a guy who works in Kansas City or an individual who works in St. Louis or, or whatever market. And what we figured out uh, about 10 years ago was um, a lot of the Midwest and Mid-South markets are very similar in nature. The product is similar. The investment criteria is similar. Uh, the drivers, while niche in, in individual markets, in general, have a lot of sim- of the same similarities, and so what we, we what we started to identify was, you know, can we create a business model that allows people um, and aids uh, individual investors in transitioning their capital between markets? So, you know, somebody who, for example, might be very familiar with Carmel in Indianapolis, the submarket of Carmel, 
uh, may not know it yet, but they own an Overland Park, Kansas. It, the, the drivers are the same. The property is the same. Everything's very, very similar. And so we thought we could provide something in the market that very few people do or ha- had been doing, which was, um, you know, we can actively talk and understand your business model, identify new markets for you, and not only identify new markets, but then actively have a pipeline of product that we can place you in. Uh, and so it's been really successful for us. And, you know, our business has grown from uh, at original, we had three, four members of the team. We've now got 17 members of our team. We've got brokers in Kansas City, Chicago, Memphis, Louisville, Indianapolis, and my partner's based in Boston uh, and handles a lot of our relationships in, in those important investment markets of New York and Boston and, and that area. So um, while we work solely in the Midwest and Mid-South, uh, we've closed in 31 states now. Um, and, you know, our model that we had kind of hoped to create has come to fruition. And, and we're able to very, very effectively transition capital into new marketplaces and and provide um, new buyers uh, to the markets uh, that aren't that aren't really focused on kind of a rear view view of the market or the asset individually. They're really looking at, hey, does this fit my portfolio? Ultimately, what do my yields need to be like to make an acquisition of a property like this? And and what we found is those new groups with fresh eyes on assets and markets are the ones that typically are pay higher yields. And whether they're coastal buyers who are used to very low yields and very high price per units, or um, it's just a group with some funds, uh, whether it be an exchange or some sort of um, ancillary reason to invest aggressively in a marketplace, we're able to bring those people to markets and, and ultimately create new pricing thresholds and yield requirements at, at the local market level. And it's funny because... You know, I knew nothing about Carmel, Indianapolis, or in uh, the suburb of Indianapolis before you mentioned it. But you're right. Like, it'd be nice to have people like yourself who, and companies that really kind of understand these markets. Um, and define for our listeners what the Mid-South is. Really, our entire, I'll give you the whole marketplace. So it's really Oklahoma North um, through, through the upper part of the country. And then the Mid-South, we refer to as the Kentuckys, Arkansas, Tennessees. Alabama. Alabama is a little bit southeast, but we play in the northern parts of Alabama. Um, so it's really that kind of that kind of cut across to the east there, up through Indiana, Indiana and Illinois. Um, we stay out of Michigan and Ohio. Mercadia has got a really good, strong presence based out of Detroit that handles those states. So it's really this kind of 15 to 16 state swath through the through the Midwest and Mid South where we focus most of our business. What what types of um of units or, or uh, multifamily uh, areas or it, you just kind of define what is what you guys look for uh, as far as what a multifamily unit looks like that you would un- help your financing invest and help your clients with. Yeah. I mean, really, different types, right? there, there are, I mean, you've got from an asset quality standpoint, you've got your new construction, a class core product um, all the way down to what we consider true affordable um, or workforce housing product. And again, a little bit nuanced for, for us as a team, we will take the entire spectrum from a size standpoint, you know, uh, locally here, you know, we'll sell a smaller asset on the plaza because it's got kind of a regional appeal um, from an investment standpoint, uh, all the way up to, you know, we close on a deal today in, in South uh, Jackson County, that's an $84 million transaction. So, um, we do a significant amount of our business in, in multi-state portfolio transactions. Uh, you know, we closed uh, two portfolios over 300 million last year and a couple over 100 million, um, both multi-state assets, uh, asset uh, groupings. So 
um, again, literally A to, a to C and, uh, you know, any size that, that makes sense for us where we think we can provide a, a service to the client. And on your website, Burcadia.com, you have a, a Kansas City tab, of course, and in it you have a uh, pipeline, construction pipeline, for uh, Q1 or 2020, and they're all over the marketplace. Um, right. Looking at places up north, I'm looking at places uh, down south. You know, I'm looking at places out east by Lee Summit. I'm looking at places all over the place. You have a really good PDF if anyone wants to check it out. Uh, obviously, you have a bunch on the Kansas side as well. There is so much construction now. Has this been affected by COVID? And we'll get into that more. But it seems to me there's a ton of multifamily being built uh, in our region. There is. And, and it's not specific to Kansas City, right? I mean, this is a phenomenon you're literally seeing in almost every uh, quasi-major market throughout the United States. But specifically in the Midwest, uh, for the better part of, of the early part of last decade, um, through the uh, the downturn, you know, development in these markets from a supply-demand standpoint was very, very low. Uh, and we came out of the, the downturn with uh, kind of a renewed focus both from a national development standpoint, um, with, with new groups coming into Kansas City, seeing uh, the need, uh, and that obviously local developers as well who are adding on to those projects. And, you know, it's been a, a, uh, an interesting transition with, with a significant amount of new product. Uh, and as you noticed on the map, uh, or, or likely noticed, it, it's somewhat pocketed, right? I mean, you have, uh, you know, downtown Overland Park, downtown KC, uh, Overland Park South, Lee Summit, really those high growth areas where you're seeing a significant amount of development. But what we've seen over the last couple of years is some really nice infill projects uh, that, that have gone into areas that may or may not have been um, hotbeds for the last 10, 15 years. And, and developers have seen as there's been this kind of regentrification and, and renewal of uh, pedestrian lifestyles and living in more dense areas, uh, where downtown Roland Park is a great example, where you've seen kind of a renewed vigor for, for people to want to live there um, because they, it, it kind of really checks that box from a work-live-plague uh, scenario where your typical suburban garden-style product just doesn't, right? It's in the middle of kind of a, an expansive green space and you get in your car and you leave and you go to the grocery store. Well, those areas have really provided something that's very attractive to millennials and you know, the older generations that, that want to live in a place where they can walk out their front door and go to a restaurant, uh, a grocery store, or some other lifestyle amenity and, and not have to use the car as much. I'm seeing a lot by Midtown, too. Kansas City, Missouri, yeah. uh, the map, which is which is an area that I believe the streetcar will go through at some point. The streetcar has been, uh, been transformational for a very, obviously, it's not a, an extensive public transportation um, mode at this point, but when you talk about what we were just talking about, that idea of, of, of pedestrian lifestyle, adding in that little bit of convenience from a from a little bit longer range, quicker transportation model in the urban core has been great. And, and yeah, you've seen a lot of those uh, redevelopments or new developments pop up along that streetcar line. So hopefully the expansion will continue to, uh, to drive further development along those lines. That'd be great. Michael Sullivan is with us, Managing Director of Burcadia. They're on the web at burcadia.com, an awesome website. Um, let's start talking about this, and we'll get back into it after break. Talk to us about kind of um, the COVID effects that you realize and witness uh, starting in March, I guess, through today. Um, how has it changed your industry and, and, and what's going on in multifamily? Yeah, you know, it's been interesting. Obviously, it hit us uh 
kind of like a square roadblock, like it had a lot of industries. Um, but the reality of it has been very different than I think we thought it would be. I, having conversations in late March, it was um, very doom and gloom about the operations at the asset level, rent collection. Um, obviously, we, we very quickly thereafter learned that evictions were going to be put on, on hold, which from a landlord perspective, uh, is about your only line of defense as far as collecting rent and you know mandating the terms of your lease. Uh, so conversations in late March were very focused on how bad uh, collections in April and May were going to be. Uh, and what we ended up seeing almost uh, across the board was kind of a renewed vigor by on-site staffs and a, a lot of times historic uh, collection rates. And um, it was obviously aided greatly by the stimulus package and, um, you know, PPP and those type of things that kept people uh, engaged. But overall, it, it, it's turned out to be uh, much less severe than we thought it was going to be. And we'll break into that after the break. Michael Sullivan is our guest, Managing Director of Burcadia, Burcadia.com. Really fascinating stuff about multifamily. They do full service mortgage banking investment and sales and all over the country, but mostly in the Mid-South and Midwest and here locally in Kansas City and the region on the Kansas and Missouri side. You're listening to The Grill Nation Show here on 980 AM and on iTunes via podcast. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Grill Nation show. I am your host, Jason Grill. Uh, you joined us on 980 AM or on iTunes via podcast or at grillnationshow.com. Appreciate you joining us each and every week, and I hope you're having a great summer. Today, we're joined by Michael Sullivan, who is the managing director of Burcadia. Burcadia.com is the website. Michael, um, welcome back to the show. Tell us a little about, we were talking about kind of the COVID effects and stay-at-home effects. Your business, Burcadia, um, I know you probably travel a lot. How, how did things change for you and your team uh, inside Kansas City with, with everything going on? Well, twofold. The, the business itself, um, as we mentioned before the break, was um, has been relatively resilient. Uh, obviously, there were some new financing measures put in place from a reserve standpoint that, that made getting deals done difficult. And, you know, equity and, and operating uh, – fear over the unknown, you know, stalled the market for a little bit, but really only for 30 days, you know, but overall, what what we've seen is a a, a pretty seamless transition from an industry standpoint, aided greatly by technology into a more virtual interactive space. And, and for us, a group that, you know, I was on the road at least a day or two a week, um, my partner probably more so, uh, and our guys traveling consistently on day trips to, to sites to do, you know, whether it was inspections or, or property tours or those type of things. Obviously, those came to a screeching halt. And, you know, we decided very early in the process to really kind of eva- take this opportunity to evaluate everything we were doing um, and figuring out, hey, where are we using our time effectively and where could we probably make some changes through this entire process to make ourselves more um, effective and productive. And so we have really leaned heavily into technology and the, uh, the institution of technology in our business. Uh, we started doing very, very detailed virtual touring 
Um, while it's existed in the industry, um, typically it's been limited to, hey, you know, we'll put a robot in a in a, a unit and give you a nice perspective from a from a tenant standpoint of what you can expect from the property, uh, the finish level, the the you know all of those type of things, the layouts. And what we've done is we we did a very detailed uh, survey of all of our clients and said, hey, what would you need to replicate the touring experience that's requisite in your underwriting process without having to go to the site? And so we took a lot of feedback from that. Uh, and what we developed was a um, two-part property tour that we're now performing uh, virtually, which is a 360-degree robot that we can fully control uh, as it rolls throughout the asset uh, and then layering in very selective drone shots, but but going very deep and with the idea that we're replicating a tour. So we're not just showing the pretty and the good. We're showing you know, the HVAC condenser that's got hail damage. We're showing the siding. We're showing the paint quality. Uh, we're showing the mechanicals underneath the sink, all of those type of things with the idea that, hey, can we replicate what they're really looking at on a, on a property tour? And it's been twofold for us. Obviously, it's in the, in the era of COVID where being on site is no longer feasible. Uh, it's certainly been something that was necessary. But what we figured out is, hey, if we can keep our guys from traveling all the time and spending all of both the resources from a time and economic standpoint, keep them in the office and continue to drive business more and allow us to still get the same effect um, while also aiding our clients in the fact of minimizing their necessary trips, their, their understanding of an asset before they get there. So they can say, Hey, this may be an asset that I want, or it may not be. And they can check that box off. And it's been interesting. What we've seen is through COVID our, our touring activity has actually almost tripled on a per asset sales basis. So where we were doing 10 to 20 tours, we can now do 30 to 50 tours um, in a fraction of the time at a fraction of the cost. And so we've relieved our seller clients of the intrusion uh, on their property and the disruption at the staff level while providing clients the same sort of uh, buying clients, the same sort of, uh, information that they need. And we're keeping our guys in the office and we're not doing this in the, in the form of, Hey, here's a link to a, a virtual tour. Go take it. We're still having that interactive basis. We'll do a zoom call like we're doing now. Uh, we'll play through that. We can answer all those questions in real time, still get the client interaction that we need from a business standpoint uh, and check all the boxes for everybody involved. That's very interesting. And it'll be interesting to see uh, once there is a vaccine for COVID and, and it starts to, to, to die down, what um, what the future holds, you know, for a lot of these things. And if you will be getting on your flights again, or if you will be um, to all your meetings, or if you'll be doing more coffees, or if you'll just continue to do the Zoom virtual uh, tours. I mean, it, it'll continue to evolve at some level. Maybe it's kind of a mixture of both, I would think, probably somewhere in the I would hope so. I mean, but but I think a lot of people have figured out, you know, us included, that you can be really productive with these technology tools and, and, and this type of interaction here where you can still see folks and you can have a, a real conversation and keep people engaged. We've done multiple pitches now uh, from a valuation standpoint for new business via these, and they've been very successful. Um, and we've been able to, like I said, I think check off some boxes of uh, some procedures that have been in the business. And, and I think we've decided, at least from our perspective, that they're fairly antiquated and, and unnecessary from a cost uh, and time standpoint. And, and so hopefully for us, this is something that, that people allow us to continue to do because I think we can be more efficient from a business 
Uh, and, you know, from a buyer's perspective, I think they can save a lot of money and resources and really allocate when they know their serious interest. Mm-hmm. Michael Sullivan is with us. Michael, you mentioned uh, uh, rent and uh, the, the different payment options that have happened because of COVID and, and people having stimulus and, and PPP. And, um, you know, it looks like in May and April and now even in June with the data coming out now for June that uh, it really reflects the resilience of multifamily and people uh, are paying the rent and it's very high. I mean, some of your markets on your website at Bercadia.com, we're seeing a, a little bit of less than a, one percent difference either way in some of these cities yeah it's, from last it's year. been yeah it's been a little bit amazing i mean and not only that we've seen we've had multiple clients who've not only been able to maintain rent but have continued to institute some sort of value add program uh and on renewals pushing rents and those type of things and i think it, it goes back to the home itself probably became a lot more important during covid when you're confined to it um, i think people prioritize their rent Uh, I think staffs and ownership groups really focused on a more collaborative um, conversation with their tenants instead of it being a little bit combative with, hey, pay the rent or you're getting late fees. It was, hey, you know, if you're having trouble paying rent, let's work through some stuff. Let let me give you some options um, and and let's figure out a way that we can make this work for both of us. And everybody found that renewed interest in in, uh, obviously taking care of their home. And obviously, there's there's certainly examples of, of assets that aren't doing as well. But in general, it's been shocking about how resilient the marketplace has been and how willing tenants, at least in this Midwest, Mid-South market, have been uh, in prioritizing their rent payments. Mm-hmm. We'll see if, uh, if that continues. You know, there's going to be a congressional bill, another congressional bill of phase four in D.C. that uh, will go through the Senate and probably get diced and sliced and changed a hundred times sometime later in July. And then, you know, you have the the, the markets here locally, Kansas city uh, constantly trying to figure that out. And then state pretty much well assumed at this point with them both being out of the sessions in Missouri and Kansas. But um, you know, that's always going to be important. I mean, if you're a a landlord, you want to make sure that you're uh, getting involved, I guess, in the political process, if you will, uh, to make sure that, you know, some of these these cases and these rules don't just apply to COVID. You know, people, this this is a trending topic, and um, how we come out of this is going to be so important. And how do you think we will come out of this from a multifamily standpoint, um, locally and nationally? Yeah, I mean, I think I think what everybody's found out is that you know, over the last couple of years, there's been some additional asset classes in that commercial real estate sphere that I think people have, from a safety standpoint and from a stability standpoint, started to put on plane with multi. And I think what we saw here was um, multi is in a in a position of its own inside the commercial real estate sphere from a security standpoint, from a stability standpoint. And um, I think when you look at investments, uh, a lot of the uh, equity that was maybe going into different commercial real estate spaces or different investment avenues back into the stock market, a couple of those things that have seen extreme volatility over this last three months. Uh, a lot of those, those dollars are likely to come back and some new dollars are going to come into the marketplace as people look again for those safe harbors for their investment dollars. And I think multi at the end of the day is is probably going to benefit greatly from COVID, um, you know, assuming that there's not a, an institute or an, an industry shift, I should say, that is still extremely low um, and that has continued to prop up uh, values uh, as people are able to manufacture yield. Uh, through the debt placement. 
Um, and what we've seen throughout this cycle is a content, even post COVID deals that we brought out post COVID, um, we're off about one to 2% uh, from a BOV range uh, to our sales prices uh, and where we're under contract right now. So the biggest drop we took from a value standpoint pre COVID versus where we are now is 11%. Um, that was a, a relatively distressed deal in Oklahoma uh, that was having collection issues. Um, and everything else has been 5% or less uh, deviation from where we took those deals out to where they're, uh, where they're transacting now. So uh, I think all signs are pointing towards a, a very strong resilience through this from a market standpoint. Uh, and, you know, the future is relatively bright for, for, uh, for multi in general. We're talking to Michael Sullivan, who's the managing director of Bercadia. Their website is Bercadia.com, an awesome website, uh, so much information, great blog, like we mentioned, on what's going on in the multifamily world uh, now and in the future. Uh, we're going to be right back after the break with more. I want to get some business advice on if you are going to uh, buy property or your landlord, what uh, some more things Michael's learned, uh, more information about Bercadia and uh, where we see things going here in the future. You're listening to the Grill Nation show here on 980 AM and on iTunes. We'll be right back after the break. Thanks for joining us today. Welcome back to the Grill Nation show. I'm your host, Jason Grill. Thanks for joining us on today's show on 980 AM or on iTunes. Uh, you connect with me on Twitter at Jason Grill and on social media. Just search for my name on Facebook, Instagram, or LinkedIn. Michael Sullivan, the managing director of Bercadia, Bercadia.com, um, great organization here in Kansas City and throughout the Midwest and Mid-South he's involved with. Um, really great information you shared with us today, Michael. I want to get some more advice uh from you since you've been in this world for a while now um, close to 20 years right or getting there 17 yeah. what advice do you have for people who, who want to start investing in real estate or who want to um who want to be landlords or own property yeah i mean I, look it's a it's a great investment vehicle in my opinion i i have a um substantial portfolio of my own assets and and really, I got into it for the stability. I think, you know, for me, the stock market and, and alternative investments are, are difficult in the fact that things that are completely out of your control can rock your investments, you know, relatively easily. And, and for me, that, that fear was just too much. And I was, I was looking, obviously, I had a level of involvement in the space that made me comfortable making the big investment because they are big investments, you know, comparatively. But, you know, overall, I, I think my advice would be be long. Uh, you know, don't buy assets with the intention of, of selling them quickly. Uh, you know, I think you need to be prepared to hold real estate for the long term. And I think, you know, that's one of the beauties of real estate is regardless of how successful on a month by month or year by year basis your assets are, they're inherently getting better because you're paying down debt. Uh, and so, you know, after, you know, at, at the longest, after 30 years, you've paid off your, your principal here. And, and the asset should be cash flowing substantially at that point. So, you know, I think where we see people make mistakes is people who think that they can get in and get out quickly. 
Um, I think you need to understand the submarkets. I think you need to understand the operations of the assets themselves. I think one of the things on the smaller side of, of the investment uh, that, that people really struggle with is the management. So, you know, identify a good management partner uh, that needs to be done through um, communicating and conversing with people who know the industry uh, managing apartments, commercial real estate in general, but apartments specifically is very, very difficult. Um, it's not as easy as going and collecting the rent on the first and then, you know, plunging a toilet every now and then. I mean, the, the decisions you make, uh, your ability to keep up with the market comps and, and be flexible, uh, you know, are imperative to ultimately having success long-term with the assets. And, uh, you know, I think the other piece of it is don't get into it unless you're well capitalized. I think that's where you see people get into trouble is when they have assets. Those assets then demand things from a capital infusion standpoint. Um, and if you don't have the capital readily available, uh, then you're going to struggle, right? If your apartment building needs a new roof and you're going to try to limp it along with repairs instead of replacing it, uh, and you're not going to, to continue to infuse the capital as necessary, that's when we see assets start to fall apart. It becomes more difficult to lease. It becomes more difficult to retain the tenants that you have. Um, and then you start making really questionable decisions. And so, you know, if you can afford to not take money out of your assets and keep those dollars in uh, and build a really nice nest egg, uh, both from a principal payoff standpoint, as well as uh, obviously being prepared for those capital events that are in here. I mean, they're going to happen. You're going to have things that are going to happen that you need to pay for and um, so if you, if you don't need to live off the income for it, it's a great way to, to build some wealth and, uh, you know, ultimately, uh, have an asset that's going to be worth, you know, a substantial amount of money at the right time. That's very good information. I know I'm probably going to call you if I ever, uh, decide to get in this industry. Happy to discuss, happy to discuss. So I need to find some people with a little more money, uh, before. So I'll be the guy that has like one or two properties for years. And then Look, I mean. Yeah, but I, I will tell you, you know, one of my favorite questions to ask my new clients is, you know, tell me about your first deal, right? Because those I think are always interesting. And I think without fail, despite some folks who grew up in the business, uh, everybody talks about the first rental house or the first duplex or the first fourplex, you know, and, you know, those are those are springboards for people. They start to understand the business. And I think what most people find out is when they invest in one, they figure out how lucrative it can be. Uh, when they're done correctly. And all of a sudden that one rental house goes to two and three. I mean, my, my first plan was to buy a rental house a year uh, for 10 years, pay it off. Uh, and then the, in theory, if I could average a thousand dollars a month in rent, that was going to be $10,000 a month in investment. I bought 26 houses in my first 14 months. Um, and wow. you know, that was, that was the goal. And then I converted into multi and uh, now we own, you know, almost 450 units uh, on the plaza and by KU Med and on the Metcalf corridor. So, uh, it's been fun and we're continuing to grow and I, I think you would find the uh, the same passion for it. So Yeah, well it's, it's just like you said, it's the management side, right? It is <laughs> and you gotta figure that part out. All the new uh, the, all the things that happen in the Midwest with weather and, and fixing units and, and making sure you're a good landlord. I think that's the most important thing because communication, especially during this time that we've been going through, I know a lot of times multi or uh, property owners or landlords get a bad rap in the media, but I think for the most part you know, there's some, there's a couple bad ones out there. There's probably a lot of good ones that work with their tenants, especially during all the things that are happening right now. Uh, and those people stay. I mean, the worst thing that can happen to a landlord is to lose a tenant through an eviction or through uh, no uh, other issues. So it's a partnership, the way I look at it. No doubt. And I think overall, the demand from the tenants is low. They just want a good, clean place. And when they call you because something's broken, they want you to come fix it. They're, they're not overly demanding. There certainly are some, but 
in general, the, the tenant profile around here is, is really easy to deal with. Great stuff. Michael Sullivan, a couple minutes left. Um, Midwest Kansas City. Um, what do you, what do you, what is your crystal ball uh, telling you about uh, Kansas City, the Kansas City market? I mean, people on the coast obviously think that there's an evolving markets. Um, obviously, it all has to do with PR and it has to do with numbers. But what are your thoughts about Kansas City right now and moving forward? Obviously, you grew up here. You 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 built your business here. Um, what, what where are you at right now as far as what the future holds for us? I'm excited. I, I mean, I think if for someone who's been here a long time, if you look over the last 20 years, the city's made incredible strides. Um, and I, I, I would continue to hope that we can continue to make those. Uh, the, the cities are becoming more diverse. They're becoming, you know, the, the individual locations inside the cities where people want to be are growing. Um, and you're just, I think it's got a lot to offer to a lot of people. I think obviously we've, we've got to figure out how to continue to drive large corporations and, and, and job sources and those type of things to the city, uh, the new airport and the hotels and those type of things, I think are going to certainly aid in that. Um, but we, it's an arms race, right? I mean, when you're talking about attracting new businesses and, and new people to the area, you have to continue to stay on par with the competition. And uh, we need, you know, this, this step that was taken over the last year and a half, uh, two years where the, the state line decided, Hey, we're not going to continue to poach businesses from across the state line you know, it was a great first step. We got to work, you know, kind of uh, hand in hand here to, to attract people, whether they end up on the Missouri side or the Kansas side, I think it needs to be viewed as a win. Um, and, and ultimately that will, will continue to make things stronger. We, we, we've done a good job attracting and retaining millennials. Um, but as that population gets a little bit older and you've got the next generation, we need to make sure that we're, we're hearing what those groups need and, and what those businesses that attract those type of folks need. And, and hopefully the city, I think it's primed to be an attractive place to move your business and, and ultimately stay. And, um, you know, I'm excited about what, what the what the future holds for Kansas City. And, you know, it'll be fun to watch. I couldn't agree more. I think, you know, infrastructure and, and making sure we, we keep our pedal to the metal as far as GDP and growth and wages and salaries and diversity and inclusion. I mean, there's so many things that need to happen to continue to compete with these hot cities right now. And there's a lot um, of our pure cities that are doing fairly well, but also kind of remain, stay true to our character as a, as a, as a great city and, uh, and uh, keep moving forward. Well, Michael Sullivan has been the guest on the Grill Nation show, managing director of Burcadia, Burcadia.com. Michael, I appreciate all of your great advice and congrats on all your success on what you've built in your career. And I look forward to hopefully uh, calling you one day and asking you for property management company that's good or finding investment dollars or getting advice from you. You're a great resource. And for all the listeners out there, highly recommend to go to Burcadia.com. And uh, Michael, great show today. And thank you so much for coming on the air. Thanks for having me. Look forward to uh, your first deal. <laughs> thank you very much. You've been listening to the Grill Nation show. We'll see you again next week. Take care.